Hey Rebels, when it comes to entertainment, we are arguably living in the golden age. Whether it's music, movies, or sports, we have lifetimes of content and information to consume. Put them all together and you see an industry worth about $131 billion annually. That's in Canadian dollars. Then there's the king of entertainment, the one entertainment industry that rules them all. Video games brought in approximately $184 billion in 2018. Think about that for a moment. If you took every single musician, every single sports team, movie, television show streaming combined, they would still earn less than the video game industry. So what's fueling this rise? I would argue it's due in part to YouTube and Twitch and the ability of popular players and personalities to engage with their audiences in live casts and chats. They're diverting eyeballs and ad dollars away from traditional media sources and putting it straight into their pockets just for playing video games. But amid this meteoric rise, we've also seen a more sinister, exploitative side to the video game industry. All of that money is a huge incentive to capture the audience and players and keep them engaged. Players have literally died at their desks during marathon sessions of play. Today's guest is Shay Rucker. He runs a digital marketing agency known as Marsh Digital. He and his company are deeply involved in streaming and video game industry and culture. A couple of years ago, he and I were talking and he was raising alarm bells about this thing called loot boxes. In 2018, loot boxes were valued at approximately $41 billion in that big piece of the video game industry pie. $41 billion. Shay's concerns didn't really register with me. I didn't really understand until I started hearing about governments and agencies moving to ban loot boxes. That's including people like the FTC in the US. They're investigating video game companies for predatory practices and exploitation of their consumers and the players that play their games. But I don't really understand it. I want Shay to explain it to me and kind of give me an insight. Shay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me again, man. How's it going? Good, good, yeah. I'm happy to be on talking about video games. I appreciate you giving validity to the industry, especially with that intro. What I find is a lot of people don't really understand the impact or don't really understand how much and how popular it is. What do you think that disconnect is? I mean, Super Bowl gets a lot of love but then it turns out it's not that big compared to video games. It's just for kids, right? You know, that's, that's something where we kind of grew up knowing that they're toys. But really, they've evolved beyond that, and the fans of video games have grown with the industry. They've had more money, and there are just better products that are out there that are taking artistic talents and everything combined together makes a really awesome product. Let's start from the very beginning. What is a loot box? For the people who've never played video games or people who maybe haven't paid attention, what's a loot box? A loot box is an extra way to monetize a video game. Uh, and it's not downloadable content, uh, whereas you purchase a specific item or a specific skin or a specific character. Uh, what they are is their random chance downloadable content. So think of it like a magic 
the gathering card pack or a pack of hockey cards where you pop it open you don't know if you're going to get uh, Gretzky or you don't know if you're going to get third string guy who only played one season loot boxes are like Pokemon you got to collect them all not necessarily. Uh, what happens is most loot boxes have cosmetic items, so that's just a different costume for your characters, uh, different skins for your weapons, anything to make your character just stand out. Um, and sometimes they do include things that will affect the games, and that's when it becomes predatory and uh, a negative impact on the game as a whole. Is that what they refer to when they say pay to win? Y yes, um, and pay to win has evolved from paying directly for items uh, from free-to-play games and now into buying more and more packs so you just have a better chance at getting whatever's in those packs. And sometimes it could take you a hundred packs at three dollars a piece. Sometimes you can get it in one, but it more happens with the former than the latter. Earlier I had said this was about 41 billion dollars annually in the United States, but that's in Canadian dollars. What are the kinds of what kind of money is an individual player spending? Uh, an individual player is spending about eighty to one hundred and fifty dollars, um, and that's the average across everything. So that includes people that are only spending five or twenty dollars on the game, and then it's also including what are called whales, where those are people who are spending thousands or even tens of thousands in more rare cases but those are the ones that they try to incentivize purchase those boxes because that keeps their company afloat that keeps the model going so, okay so you basically answered my next question which was why do developers use them it keeps the company going <laughs> what are the benefits and the negatives of loot boxes let's start with benefits why why would you want this as a player why would this be seen as a good thing um, so as a player, uh, it really just kind of sets off endorphins. So one thing that, again, goes to the predatory nature is uh, they make it feel really good when you open these boxes, whether or not you get the items or not. Last loot box. It's like a lot like a slot machine. There's sounds going off, lights, and there's actually even the sound of slot machine coins hitting each other, metal clanging on metal. It's very cathartic. It's awesome. It makes you feel good. Um, the other benefit is uh, just that collectible aspect. You know, you never know what you're going to get, and there's always that extra push to say, hey, we could get this. And if I open a couple more card packs, I could get this. Or maybe there's something that you got in there that you didn't even know that you wanted. What makes loot boxes different than, say, Magic the Gathering or sports collectibles, like uh, card collectibles? Uh, not a whole lot. And uh, Wizards of the Coast, who makes Magic the Gathering, is kind of reeling right now because if the industry catches up to video game loot boxes, they're going to kind of come down harder on them. The only difference is that loot boxes are by and large way more prolific than video game, or sorry, they're, they're way more prolific than the Magic the Gathering loot boxes. Oh, okay. So maybe you're limited by 
somebody at the store says, hey, maybe you should slow down <laughs> or something? Well, not necessarily that, but there are more people with a far margin that are playing video games and purchasing these loot boxes than people who are going to their game store buying cards. You know, it's still a very niche market. However, Magic the Gathering now has a video game that has the same model where you purchase digital cards. I've seen it advertised to me on the on the phone, on my phone, on Facebook, but I haven't played it. So it it too contains these same noises and sounds and uh, yeah, and uh, they base the model after Hearthstone, which I know you play. It's the Blizzard trading card game. Um, and any time that a company puts a loot box of any variety into a game, one of the biggest things is how do we make this fun for the player to open up. You were telling me prior to recording the show that you were talking to family and friends and they were telling you about opening loot boxes. Can you recount that story of opening that pack? Yeah, so uh, Rainbow Six uh, has a new game out that uh, is a paid game but there are extra ways to purchase things in the game. So there are operatives which are different classes or different characters that you play in the game. Uh, those you have to purchase with either in-game currency that you earn or money. And what that is, is that's just straight across opening, or sorry, paying for those. Um, but then they also have uh, card packs, and I forget what he called them. Uh, they're loot boxes though, right? There's no ways around that. Uh, and uh, what I, I asked him, I said, so how do these look? Because I've never played this game. And he says, oh, it's a card pack and it's got a little tab. And that's weird because you don't pull a tab on anything else, right? So that's putting a physical mechanism and a physical feedback into the game. So you pull the tab and not only does the card pack open, but it shines light like it's the Ark of the Covenant or the MacGuffin from Pulp Fiction. And then the cards come out and I asked him, does it make any noises? Yeah, there's lots of noises, lots of bright flashing colors and you know any kind of thing that kind of sets it off and then uh, after I heard all this I said that kind of sounds like a slot machine doesn't it and he thought for a second he goes yeah it really does <laughs> oh jeez I, I just I dislike the concept of slot machines having talked to programmers who worked on slot machines and seeing how the owners like the the casinos themselves they can change the payout rate and the house always wins if you play over a long enough period of time, you're you're gonna lose and you're not gonna come out ahead. It seems the most rigged nonsense to me ever. At least with loot boxes, you got something instead of just like flashing lights and maybe a screwed up nothing at the end. Well, yes and no, because if you get something in a game and that game shuts down, you know, there's a new Call of Duty every single year. And if you get skins in one Call of Duty, they don't carry over. And you have that money, you can take your wife out for dinner or you can go buy something you want to get. And that's why the real world is a little more visceral when it comes to gambling, right? Because you can get you can get something, you can earn money, you can gain status. But not with a slot machine, is what I would argue. No, and uh, slot machines are something I've never really understood. I get sometimes a credit when I go stay at a casino or I go to a show at the Casino Regina and I'll stick whatever the card is in there and I'll just press the buttons because I have no idea. You know, there's no rules, there's nothing, no rhyme or reason. You get the diagonals, you get the straight across and I'll win and I'll be like, I didn't know what I did, but thanks for the hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So why are governments moving to ban loot boxes from video games? Uh, I've played video games for years. They've had loot boxes, but I'm, I've never been like, I gotta spend $10,000. Like, it seems like idiots are spending $10,000. What's... What's the disconnect? I don't look at it as idiots. I look at it as vulnerable people that are getting taken advantage of by these companies. Tell me more. What do you mean? Uh, people with gambling addictions, people with no concept of money, such as children, which is a big part of why they're pushing for this. So the people that are really spending money on this are the, the, the vulnerable people. Okay, so it's not necessarily about people who are making poor financial choices about people who wouldn't even have the context to know. Absolutely. Like maybe they got mom's credit card and plugged in a couple thousand dollars worth of purchases. And there's so many stories of that happening. So what are companies doing? Refunding the money or backing away? Are they fighting it in court? No, and uh, even the banks will say we can't refund any of that money on credit card because that was purchased with something that you had given your child or you've given the permission. Um, that's an instance where you as the parent have to be more careful. Interesting. You know, something like that happened to me the other day. I got my bill for Netflix and I noticed that it had doubled. And I'm like, what the heck? So I go in and I check my settings and it had up, it bumped me from my standard setting to like the premium deluxe version. I'm like, I didn't approve this. When the hell did this happen? And then I started digging and reading and it said, oh, if more than two people are on an account, it will prompt you for the third person to let them stream if you automatically upgrade. And I'm like, so I'm thinking one of my kids was on the iPad or on his tablet and then just clicked yes to watch the show and didn't think twice about it. And here I was getting charged all this extra money I didn't even know. Oh, and they probably didn't even realize what was happening. And thankfully that was a very small charge. It wasn't someone racking up hundreds of dollars and it's not like I authorize my kid to have my credit card or payment info. No, but what they do is they create checks and balances that aren't automatic or default. You have to go in there and you have to set things, uh, parental permissions or uh, put an authorization where they'll send a text code to your phone or whatever it might be. I don't know if Netflix does that specifically, but that's what happens with a lot of other online sales. Do you see that happening now with video games voluntarily? Companies are saying we'll send you a text notification or you need to authorize with like your fingerprint on your phone? Uh, no, the only authorization I see is uh, please input your password so that especially if on your phone someone gets a hold of your phone um, you know your kid or whatever uh, if they don't know the password they can't make a purchase. So that happens with uh, the Apple Store, that happens with the App Store. Any kind of small purchases have to be authorized with your App Store password. Password, yeah. If Apple's figured it out with iTunes, are video game companies refusing to figure this out? Is it a deliberate inaction or? If you look at Apple and Google, they're large companies so they can actually invest in that and this is one of the reasons why they haven't gotten that pushback. Um, other companies don't necessarily have the resources, but let's be honest, they don't care because it's making them more money. You've already given me some examples of loot boxes. Who has a bad reputation for loot box experiences? I'm, I know gamers, they are very aggressive about this topic and they hate pay to win and they hate these shenanigan pay schemes, but it doesn't seem to percolate out into the broader public. Who should people be aware of when they're purchasing video games? Well, what happened is there was a little bit of vitriol, but it was something that didn't really affect gamers' decisions to purchase something. 
until EA released Battlefield 2. So that was the remake or just kind of reimagining of the Battlefield series in the Star Wars universe. And this got a ton of pushback because of the predatory practices they had within the loot box system and structure they had. What did they do? Uh, so the, the main thing is that uh, unlocking the characters required an astronomical amount of in-game time. So you can unlock characters like Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker, and people calculated, based on some figures that they kind of sorted through themselves, based on some figures that they sorted through themselves, and uh, they came up with the calculation that it would take 40 hours of gameplay to have a shot at either Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker. Not both of them, just one. <laughs> so the company's obviously done this math and knows it's going to have you locked in for 40 hours. Absolutely, and this is just a pattern that EA and larger companies have had where they've just kind of pushed the envelope a little more, pushed it a little more and a little more until it kind of gets to the breaking point and they go, okay, everyone's kind of mad at us, we're going to push back a little bit. They just go, whoopsie. Yeah, well, it's not so much a whoopsie, but they go, okay, that's the line then. Um, what actually happened in this case, though, is they got not only pushback from gamers, they started getting pushback from press, and more importantly, they got pushback from Disney because that was negatively affecting the Star Wars brand, and you don't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Disney. <laughs> you don't mess with Disney. Absolutely. <laughs> the mouse will squish you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they actually removed all of the loot box options in the game at launch temporarily really absolutely until no one was looking absolutely and uh, i know a lot of friends who said well they removed the loot boxes and i said hey man they're going to come back and put the loot boxes even in their nomenclature they said we're going to remove them for now knowing that the, when they still came back the players who were into the game will will get you and four months later they brought them back in with no media backlash? No media backlash because nobody was paying attention. <laughs> we're like we're like friggin' goldfish or dogs. Squirrel! Because <laughs> well, the people who were playing it didn't mind because they were already invested in the game. What can uh, gamers, parents, consumers do to protect themselves from this loot box nonsense? Let's take it one at a time. So first of all, parents need to be educated on this. So maybe they're hearing this podcast. Go do some reading. Find out what games your kids are playing. Fortnite is a game that you can invest a lot of money into, right? And that's a popular one that kids are playing. Uh, is it pay to win? It's not pay to win. They're just cosmetic items. Um, although they have added some more stuff. I'm not a Fortnite guy, so I don't know everything. But it was cosmetic, and I know that there's a backlash with some of the items that are in the game now. But in order to keep it a level playing field for everyone, they usually don't put anything that affects gameplay too much. Okay. What can consumers do and what can gamers do? Uh, consumers and gamers can not pre-order or vote with their wallets. If there's a game that has if there's a game that has a really poor loot box structure, then don't purchase that game. And I know it's tough. I know that people want to pre-order and they want to play the new Fallout game or play the next version of Madden. But voting with your wallet is one of the ways to really combat that. And in the case of Star Wars Battlefront, they took a huge hit on the initial purchases of the game. I hate pre-orders. I hated that whole thing when they started launching and saying, oh, you can pre-order this game and we'll hold the CD aside for you. That, that was just frustrating. 
I can't believe it's still a big thing. Uh, well, I used to work retail selling video games way back when, and uh, there was a real reason to pre-order games. Now, when you had a game like Halo 3 where they sent hundreds of copies to every single store, and there was no shortage, that was fine. If you had an obscure game, the stores wouldn't get them unless there was a pre-order because they only have so many copies that they can send out to their stores. But now that it's digital, it doesn't really matter. The digital thing makes no sense at all. And uh, you want to buy a game when you know it's something that you're going to want. What happens is when you pre-order a game, that's just money that the company gets right away that they can invest in their product. Okay. <laughs> We've talked all this time about video games, but we haven't gotten into the beer. No. Are you ready? Yep. Cheers. Cheers, man. Ooh. I you, like this one a lot. Have you had Cat's Got the Cream Ale I've before? never had the Cat's Got the Cream. When you said that we were getting Cat's Got the Cream and it had cream in there, I was like, I was excited. <laughs> it's a, Well, technically it's a cream ale. No cream in it, but it's a vanilla base. I was going to say, I just got that kick there of vanilla. <laughs> I like that. That's a nice, nice added flavor there, that little aftertaste. What are you experiencing? What do you think? A warmness. I always find that with cream ales. I get a warm feeling, and it's not the summer that we're in right now. There's AC in here, but it feels good. It makes me feel good. <laughs> the story behind this beer, it's 5.5% ABV. We originally brewed it in collaboration with a couple ladies from within the community. They wanted to raise money for the Regina Cat Rescue. So, as you may know, we, from time to time, will brew a community tap beer. And proceeds from that sale will then go to the charity of choice. So that's what we did with Cats Got the Cream. Except it proved so popular that we had to bring it back the next year. And then the year after that, it's, it's one of our most popular se selling seasonals of all time. <laughs> On sad, I didn't get to try it until now, but I'm definitely going to buy a couple more cans. Whew. It's, it's carrot cakey. I like that uh, vanilla aroma. The sweetness is nice. You don't get the bitterness of some other beers. I think this is something that I can give to someone who doesn't quote-unquote like beer, and they'll enjoy it. This is this is the opposite of uh, bitter. I would say this probably has something close to like zero IBU. I don't, we haven't lab tested it, but it's not bitter at all. I mean, people know us as Rebellion for being hopheads and big, aggressive, bold, hoppy beers. This is like the opposite. It's I call it a hug in a glass. When you were saying, like, it's, oh, it's nice and cozy? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I think that's actually appropriate for the cause that it's for, right? You know, hugging a glass. I love that. <laughs> and it helped kitties. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Last but not least, let's jump into what people can do if they want to find more information out about loot boxes. Where should they go? Um, there are a lot of government agencies that have been doing research on that. And uh, I feel like those are neutral. So all you have to do is really Google loot box or loot box controversy or uh, one thing that can lead you down the rabbit hole is looking up the surprise mechanics video that the Australian government uh, had members of EA come in to rationalize loot boxes. And that agency will lead you down a lot of the research. Is Australia one of the more developed in terms of countering or regulating loot boxes? Uh, both Australia and Europe, they're the first ones to raise concerns about this and bring it to legislation. 
ultimately at the end of the day, do you think it's going to be healthy for the video game industry or is it going to hurt it? Do you think it will be more ma maturing? I think that as games get more expensive to produce, that it almost becomes a necessity to have other ways to pay for things, especially with the prevalence of free-to-play games. A lot of people won't pay $80 Canadian for a new game, but they will try a free game, put a couple of bucks in there. Uh, but the only way that it's really working right now is the predatory practices, which can't continue on. So does that mean survival of the fittest? That means survival of the fittest, but there are a few lights in the darkness there. Uh, Digital Extremes, who does Warframe, has a very awesome free-to-play model. It's very moral. Um, one of the uh, stories I told you earlier is that they put in a loot box type system in the game, check the analytics a couple of days later, and notice that one guy spent several thousand dollars just over the course of a couple of days. They refunded his purchase, they removed that, and they said, we can't create a slot machine. We can't take advantage of our users like this. And Warframe has an amazing community that keeps growing because people understand that they're treating them well. Are there any other companies that are bright lights to look to? Uh, not off the top of my head. Uh, the companies that I look as being a good example of what you should be doing in the gaming industry are the ones that are just selling their game. They're not trying to include any extra monetization on there, but those are the smaller companies. Uh, they don't have thousands of employees and support staff and servers they have to do. Um, and maybe these companies are in over their head. They're just trying to make money. But let's play devil's advocate and say they have to make money to keep all their staff on there. Uh, so that's why they do the things they do. Well, I want to thank you for your time today, man. Thanks for having me on again, man. <laughs> This is deadly. Yeah, yeah, it's great to talk about this and uh, maybe raise some awareness for people to kind of understand how negative this can affect not only the industry, but people as a whole. Well, until you brought it up, I hadn't thought about it at all. Nope. And hopefully more people think about it in the future. Rebels, thanks for listening today. I'm going to include some links in the show notes so you can find more information about what Shay and I have been discussing with loot boxes. I'm also proud to let you know that the Rebellion Brewing Podcast is an affiliate member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. If you're into podcasts, you're looking for great content produced locally right here in our province, the Sask Podcast Network is a great one-stop shop to discover local stories to listen to. As always, if you want to find the latest news about Rebellion Brewing, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped. Untapped is like Facebook for beer where you check in your beers instead of your friends. Thank you for joining the Rebellion.